This is Agri-Futures On Air, brought to you by Agri-Futures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. A weed is simply a plant growing in the wrong place. And the same could be said about insects. Not all insects are pests, and in fact, there is a burgeoning industry building for insects as a source of protein in animal feed. Hello, I'm Chris Brown. Some animals, take chooks for example, already have insects as part of their natural diet. So it's not a big leap to design an industry around providing insect-based foods to selected animals. AgriFutures Australia has recently published a report that concludes this tiny industry could become a $10 million a year industry in just a few short years. Now, in a moment, we'll hear from some insect growers and a downstream manufacturer of insect products. But right now, let's welcome Tom McHugh, who is AgriFutures Australia's Senior Manager of Emerging Industries Business Development, to talk to me about insects. Tom, welcome back to AgriFutures On Air. Thanks, Chris. Good to be back. Now, this really is an emerging industry, very small in all respects, but seemingly big potential, according to the report, Tom. Just how big is that potential? Well, the work that we're doing at the moment is in the companion animal industry, looking specifically at dogs and cats and whether or not there's a potential to use insect proteins as a core component of their diet. And the report makes a point, Tom, that Australia is an ideal place to grow insects. I'm assuming they're not talking about bushflies there. Why is it so that Australia is such a good place to grow insects? I think like any industry, it's the innovation in the thought processes that go behind the development of insects. It's our clean, green reputation, but it's also a component of the novel entrepreneurship that we've seen from a number of insect producers around Australia and and their desire to actually enter into marketplaces that a few years back might have been thought as being impossible. It is a small industry at the moment, but that doesn't mean it hasn't been going for a while. Can you give us an, an idea of the size of the industry at the moment? Yeah, there's still a small number of providers and a lot of them are exploring the different opportunities, but they're certainly with a view that scaling up is definitely on the agenda, whether it's for feedstocks, human consumption or or ag feeds. But I think in the first instance, we've been focusing largely on the feed market. And, you know, there's, there's certainly other industries out there that could potentially use insects as a component of their diets. Things like aquaculture and other sectors also definitely have a role to play into the future. But You've got to start somewhere and certainly we were looking at the companion animal industry as a starting point in pet foods. It is an industry just starting to get organised as an industry. What does the report say needs to happen to see it grow? Collaboration between the players, is that part of the scene? Well, a lot of the insect industry was certainly developed around opportunistic ideas and, and thoughts and which have transformed into small startup businesses. I think some of the key challenges for us and part of the reason why we did this insect study was to look at what are the actual research development and extension requirements for insects, but also to understand what are some of the challenges that the value chain is looking for, but also the opportunities. So, for example, you know, are there any regulatory implications that need to be considered across different substrates? 
you know, we were looking at feed, food and, and other uses. What does the value chain look like? How does food safety, hygiene, processing and labelling come into play? What's the view of regulatory bodies? And then most importantly, what are the R&D requirements to help grow the sector as quickly as possible? Yeah, they're all very, very important questions, aren't they? That even bigger industries struggle with sometimes. How is such a small industry going to get a handle, particularly around all that regulatory stuff? So one of the processes in developing this insect plan was to actually consult with regulators, with other industry bodies and the industry itself through the Industry Association, the Insect Protein Association of Australia. And so they were looking at making sure that the feedback was integrated into a series of themes in terms of what are some of the foundational projects that catalyze industry collaboration, what are the guidelines that might be required into the future, and what are the foundational research requirements. And so from the point of view of the insect roadmap, it was really trying to design to come up with answers to all three and then road test that back with with the industry itself. You mentioned the pet food industry and just how big it is and as a potential market, but of course the growers of the insects, the current ones and potential future ones, will need to scale up substantially, I suppose. Have, have they got that capacity? We're certainly looking at ways in which we can help grow the scaling capabilities of the sector. We're certainly looking at commercial partners to help us in that process. We already have a small provider of pet foods, Buggy Bix, involved in the project with us to actually look at the flow-through of proteins into their market range. You mentioned industry-wide research as an important part of going forward with this. Does the industry have already a strong foundation in science? Are there people in there who really understand where they're going with this? It's certainly an area that we're getting increasing interest from. We've certainly got the measures of success in terms of developing confidence, looking at social licence and regulatory issues. And I think the next issue is to connect some scientists beyond what we've already invested in to address some of these key issues that we've raised. And certainly in our Emerging Industries program, we're looking to work closely with funding bodies outside ourselves but also research collaborators to address many of the key issues that the insect industry needs. What are some of these scientists actually working on when it comes to insects for the feed industry? So we currently have a project with Western Sydney University and the lead being Professor Vijay Jayasena and he's looking at nutrition capabilities of insects for the use in animal feeds and certainly we're working closely to see how those formulations could potentially fit into the mainstream diets of pet foods within Australia. The report was only released last year, so it's fairly new, but what happens now? Where does the industry take it from here? So the industry has been responding to some of the measures in there through research applications. We're now looking at other investment areas that we could potentially proactively target as a result of the plan. But we're encouraging insect producers and or researchers that have interest in this area to look at applying in our open call investment rounds in emerging industries. Well, Tom, thanks for coming on and telling us about how this industry is going to mobilise. 
again, a fascinating, a fascinating industry. I think now we have online a couple of those key industry pioneers. I'll call them pioneers because really they are at the very start of discovery, I suppose, in where they can take this industry. So, Tom, thank you very much for your time. No problems, Chris. Yes, so right now we have insect producers Mick Thornett from Solution Blue and also Olympia Yaga from GoTerra. Both Olympia and Mick also hold office with the Insect Protein Association of Australia, the industry body that Tom mentioned. And also joining us is Sean Eislers from Buggy Bix. A million questions, but only time for a few, so I'll have to be really disciplined here. Mick, can I start with you? Can you tell me what you grow where do you grow them and how do you grow them? And if you care to, why do you grow them? Well, first, we grow black soldier fly and that's all done for protein. So we're doing it for primarily animal feed. It's got a really good protein profile and we can grow it on low grade inputs. So we can, we can get a really good product at, I suppose, on paper, very low cost. We do that in Cowra and it's not that easy to do either. So we've been developing technology all around that and how we refine the grow-out methods, typically what is the primary focus of everybody, I think, to get the most efficient grow-out method. Black soldier fly, is that a native animal or is that something you've imported? The stuff we've got is naturalised to Australia. It's, it's been here forever and generally it's all wild caught and you catch it pretty much all over the country if you know what you're looking for. So you sell the larvae, do you? Is that what you do? That's pretty much it. It's looking more like we're going to be selling a finished product so we'll get the live ones and process them from there into probably a number of components i think is going to be the ultimate goal but generally it'll be a dry protein and an oil what sort of quantity of flies do you what's what's your stock level <laughs> at the moment we're probably sitting not much we're still very small we've got one unit we've built that's working successfully and it carries around 500 kilos and gives us around 200 kilos a day of live output, which will refine down to about 100 kilos, I guess, of dried products. Olympia, do you have a similar sort of operation or something completely different? So we farm a couple of different types of fly, but we do have black soldier fly. We're different insofar as our focus is waste management and not protein production, but otherwise, yeah, it's all pretty much the same stuff, um, just with different applications and in different functions. Now, Mick talked about quantity in terms of kilos of flies and kilos of larvae. We must be talking huge quantities, are we? For our operation, we work against tonnes of waste managed. So currently we're managing just over 40 tonnes of waste a week. It's a five to one conversion ratio. And so our offtake happens every 12 days. We use our system to do batch processing every 12 days, which works out to have harvesting three times a week. So how do you do that? What happens? You put the flies in with the food waste, is that right? Yeah, so you add five-day-old larva to food waste in our operation and then they start eating and our machine adds food waste to those insects every day. Right. And what's the product at the end, the stuff you take off? What is it? So we have the same same thing as everyone else. So we have two things that happen once an insect's been eating food waste. You have bigger insects. And you have frass, which is the manure from insects, which like any farmed animals manure has a nutrient quality, which can be returned back to soil. So you can compost it, sell it as a retail product. You can send it back to agriculture. You, know, you can put it into biochar. Some people are putting into anaerobic digesters. So you have two products that 
by and large, are still raw material and need to be further processed into their final staged products. So yes, you have a fertilizer or an insect protein and you can refine those down further into lots of different sub qualities from there. So you can make oils, you can make chitin, you can make cosmetics, you can make industrial plastics, equipment for small electronics, all sorts of things. Sure. Now you're one step further along the chain. You've got buggy bix, which is an insect-based pet food. Tell me a bit about that. Sure, Chris. So buggy bix, as you just mentioned, is an insect-based pet food. We elected to enter the market in a pet treat category, more specifically a dog treat, because in the Australian context, insects are quite, uh, they're not well known. And there's a relatively large leap of faith for people to go from traditional protein sources to start feeding insects to their pets. So we ended up jumping into the pet food category because we wanted to test the market and see whether or not it would be a viable option. And what have you found? What's been the reaction from people? Initially, the reaction was mixed. We had three buckets of people, in fact. The broadest category was people who wanted to learn more but weren't sure. And that was because of a dearth of information in market. There was a category of people who were about, say, 20% of our initial research who said they weren't interested. And we had some verbatim saying there was plenty of meat and offal in Australia. (laughs) And then the other category was very positive. So people could see the environmental benefits. People could see, I guess, the future of food in the context of feeding their pets insects other than traditional meat sources, which over time, as, as our populations grow, there's likely going to be increased pressure. So when we launched in market, the actual product though, the way people resonated with it was very different to the initial reactions that they had because they could touch and feel and see the product. What's your marketing message? How are you overcoming some of those negative issues? So there's a couple of marketing messages that we like to convey. I mean, more broadly, the educational piece around insects, it certainly needs to be addressed. But however, in the context of pets, there's a hypoallergenic factor. So insects are actually easier for some dogs to digest than, say, traditional proteins such as lamb or beef. And then the other messaging is around the environment. So, you know, to grow comparable protein in terms of its quantum the impost on the environment, be it from the land requirement, be it the power requirement, be it the water requirement, is significantly lower. Not to mention that it's all in a controlled environment. So you take out those variations. And then lastly, it's actually been shown that it's easier for dogs and cats to absorb the amino acids, etc., from the insects into the bloodstream. So there's a couple of angles that we like to talk about. Now, we've heard earlier from Tom McHugh, who told us about the roadmap to expanding the industry. And I just want to talk to Mick and Olympia about this in, in a little bit more detail. And again, time is our enemy here. But Mick, what do you see as perhaps, I don't know, the easiest next step for the industry? God, I think probably... The giant step is a mix between marketing, a few updates in regulation, and also combined with a leap in production. I think there's a bit of a chicken and egg scenario where we need, you know, more production, basically to get a continuity of supply. So that that's going to be our, you know, one of our hurdles in the immediate future, and our biggest step, I think, to really get production ramped up and a bit more interest happening. Olympia, what about you? What do you see the the challenges over the next twelve months to two years? 
I think the scale to commercialisation is the number one hindering fact to the industry today. It's really hard to lobby for change or leverage any any influence when the industry is still so small, nascent, and in mostly R&D. And so scale to commercialisation and getting the industry expertise and knowledge established and improved is our key challenge in the next 12 to 18 months. How are you going to do that? GoTerra's biggest focus has always been to try and figure out ways that we can contribute to building that capability. It's the reason why I spend time contributing to the IPAA as a whole. But as a company, our focus will be mostly on ways that we can collaborate. We've been working with some other farmers on different sort of groups that we've set up. We've put in some grant applications to build out shared industry experience and knowledge and we're going to continue to try and do that through these next two years so that we can grow together as an industry instead of individually as separate companies. Mick, the report that I've quoted that Tom was speaking about has recognised that collaboration within the industry as it is now is really necessary but quite difficult because of those IP issues. Do you see a way around that? Is that something you think the industry can grapple with? Yeah, I think we are. We're dealing with it fairly well. And I think it's IP, I think, is coming down to individuals' technology more so as the stuff we're protecting. But as far as the knowledge goes and industry, industry values, I think there's a lot of collaboration there. You know, I think we need a diversity in what people can do as well for just for that technology to grow. So, yeah, I, I'm sort of all for people keeping their own IP, but, you know, really collaborating on the, on the knowledge piece. And I think that's where we're really going to move forward. Sean, I suppose you've got a unique point of view from the customer, so to speak, of the grower. What would you see is something that needs to happen at that basic primary industry level over the next couple of years with the insect industry? For buggy bicks, the main thing is we need to see the farm gate insect producers scale. We have the growing pains at our end. You know, as our demand grows, we need to be sure that our supply chains can manage that. And, you know, the farm gates obviously the biggest risk for us. So how we currently manage that is by diversifying our supply chain. We currently engage with GoTerra Solution Blue and another company out of Queensland just to make sure that we do have ready supply. But for us to grow and for the industry more broadly to grow, we hope that you know we start to see that scale, but also the downstream demand to justify the industry scaling. Yeah. Mick and Olympia, I'll ask you both the same question, but Olympia, you can go first. What advice would you give then to people who maybe see an opportunity for them in this insect wrangling industry, either as a participant or an investor? What should they be thinking about, Olympia? I think going back to the point around what IP is and and what needs to be managed, I think understanding that this is farming an animal. So the knowledge around how to farm an animal is crucial to scale, but it's not IP. Technology that is used to farm those animals is IP. And so when you're assessing companies, when you're thinking about joining the industry, your biggest barrier is going to be your early stage lack of understanding of how to farm the animal and and the fact that there isn't a lot of support there. If you're looking to invest, how to farm the insect is an overcomable challenge. Designing, building, establishing tech to do so is difficult and hard. And so those companies that are looking at If you are looking for defensible IP, it sits with the companies that have designed technology to to deliver there. There is technology within the biological sphere of 
strains and you know, farming systems and things like that. But I think taking a, a more dynamic approach and how you're assessing the industry is definitely necessary instead of just assuming that it, it's all sort of black and white and you know, that maggots can grow easily. And then secondly, that tech is, is, is sort of agnostic. Mick, what's your view on that? Is that mix of tech and farming skills the crucial point for people? Yeah, that's bang on. I think it is a mix. It's like any farm. You've got to have the skills. You've got to have the tech. But from the investor point of view, you've really got to look at, I guess, sustainable business models. We're not really looking like you would as a traditional tech investment. You know, it's not data or apps or anything like that. This is typically a farm or a manufacturing business. So you have to look at it more at the actual business models and business designs as the investor. And that's what you're taking your risk on more so, you know, and I think you have to understand the risks that are involved in farming. That's part of it. If you want to jump on board and as an investor, you know, it's it's good fun. <laughs> it's certainly, a, and hopefully a really good result. I think, you know, this is probably one of the, the industries that's got a long way to go still. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of advances in the near future and potential is huge. Well, the report commissioned by AgriFutures Australia, which is called Catalyzing a $10 million Australian Insect Industry, provides a roadmap to achieve that $10 million figure over the next five years. Mick Thornett and Olympia Yaga, who are both growers and true pioneers in this fledgling industry, join me today on AgriFutures On Air, along with Sean Eislers, the founder of Buggy Bix, a pet food company based on insect protein. And of course, we heard earlier from Tom McHugh, AgriFutures Australia's Senior Manager of Emerging Industries Business Development. Creating something from nothing is never easy, but creating something from nothing and along the way convincing consumers that insects make great protein for their pets is really something special. Thanks for listening today to AgriFutures On Air. Don't forget you can subscribe to this program wherever you stream your music. Just put the name AgriFutures On Air into the local search and up it will pop. My name is Chris Brown. You've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, a weekly podcast brought to you by AgriFutures Australia.